with me today. A couple of things real quick before we start service. Um, we are entering into the end of this series we've been in since November, which should make some of you happy. But when I say we're nearing the end, we've got a month and a half to go. And the, the title was called The Day Before Another Day, and nobody understood what it meant. And so I'm just going to say it had its meaning in how God prepares us to win battles. So we've been spending the last three months learning from the scriptures how to fight battles. And we're getting ready to go into the battle, but that's not coming for another couple of weeks. So don't get too excited that we're going to get to the end because I got about a month to go. But anyway, I don't know what kind of battles you're going through or what kind of struggles you've been facing, what kind of things you've been fighting. But we believe that Jesus Christ can give us victory over all those things. Amen? Amen. We believe that Jesus, I just want to make sure, there we go. We just believe that Jesus Christ can give us victory over all those things, right? Amen. So would you stand with me, please? We're going to open up in prayer. Father, I don't know the needs of this congregation in the way that you do. But I know that you want to give us victory in your name. Not for our sake, but for your sake. That God gets the glory, that God gets the praise, that God gets the honor. And Father, I don't know if it's a physical challenge or a financial challenge or an emotional challenge or a marital challenge or a mental challenge. I'm not sure what's the battles coming up for these people. But I know you're there for us. And I know you love us. And I know whatever we're going through, you're going to be fighting right alongside of us, within us, for us, and through us. So, Father, as we get prepared to take these next steps of faith in, 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 as a church, I just pray that we seek your face today. That we honor you with, with the hearts that are open to your movement, to your spirit. That we listen to the words of God and that we apply them to our lives in a way that would honor you. We love you. And we're grateful that we get to gather together. In Jesus we pray. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Let's worship.
nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. Oh, almighty fortress. Yes, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. Oh, almighty fortress. Yeah, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows. You
I didn't think we were done. I want to see a victory. Who needs a victory today? Amen. Who needs a victory? Come on. Jesus wants to give you that. Let's go ahead and dismiss the kids at this time. Teenagers staying with me today. Yay! I love the teenagers. By the way, teenagers, uh, we're going to start praying at 945, me and my wife and you. So if you want to come to the platform at 945, we're going to pray with you. Amen. Every Sunday. Amen. If there's ever a time that teens need prayer, it's now. Amen. You can be seated. We have a men's fellowship March, 5th, March 13th at 6 p.m. It's a Monday night. Sign-up's in the foyer. You got to get a ticket. If you don't have a ticket, you can't get in. We're going to guard that door tight. We're going to have worship. We're going we're gonna to have the word of God. We're going to spend some time in fellowship. We're going to have some food. All things men need. Food, fellowship, and preaching. And on nights like that, I don't have to pull, I don't have to hold back. I can just cut loose. So bring your, bring your man pants. Because I want to make sure that you can handle what we're, what we're coming with today. Don't, don't, don't go bringing your, anyway, I won't say that. It's out on the foyer and the, the desk around the corner. You can sign up there. Um, there was a woman who came to um, give her offering. And she just had next to nothing in all reality, but it was everything to her. And she put her money in the offering box, and Jesus noticed that. I'm just going to tell you, Jesus doesn't care about the amount. He cares about the faith. He pays attention to the faith. So when it comes to offerings, four ways to give. I'm not going to, four ways to give. When it comes to offerings, God's caring about the faith. What, who do you trust more? The money or the Messiah? That's really the question. That's really the question that he's asking. And so when you give your offerings, recognize you may not think it's much, but if it's, God knows if it's a lot. He knows if you're just skimming off the top or you're just trying to cheat Christianity. But he also knows if you're giving everything that you have and he's paying attention to that. So be honored by that and let's pray for that. Can we do that? Let's pray for the offering. Father, I want to thank you for people who trust you more than they trust money. I am grateful for people who over the years have been faithful to their giving and support of your ministry, of your work. And many people have trusted Christ as their Savior because of that. Many people have been restored to the faith and encouraged in the faith and grown in their faith, all because people faithfully support the ministries that you've designed for us. So encourage those to faithfully give And pay attention, Father. Let us know that you're paying attention to our hearts. And maybe, Lord, maybe today we're under some conviction that we need to make some changes in the attitude in which we give. Or maybe we just need to recognize that this is the best, this is all I've got. This is what I can do. And let us be at peace with that. But whatever it is, you pay attention to faith. Encourage us in that. We love you so in Jesus we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. I've got all my pages this week. I think. As I said earlier, we're entering into a 
ending of this series, in the series that has a name that no one understood. We spent the last three months talking about a day before another day. And it had its meaning in how God prepares us to win battles. And that that day of battle is coming that we, we are going to face. And so he's prepared us for months to fight battles for our families, for our faith, for our Father in heaven. And we learned over the last few months that spiritual battle is exhausting. That you can be faint yet pursuing. You, you can be exhausted by spiritual battle. Like trying to find God and learn about God and grow in God. It can be exhausting at times. We learned how to not worry about tomorrow but focus on today. Because today's got enough trouble to worry about. Y'all are worried about the future. The future takes care of itself according to God. Worry about today. Today's the day. We learned how to decipher the word of God with the rules of hermeneutics. We learned the power of promise. We learned that God sees what we don't see, knows what we don't know, and he makes up for both what we don't see and what we don't know. We learned that the blameless or the innocent suffer at the hands of the guilty. It's not fair, but it's true. It's a reality that the innocent suffer at the hands of the guilty. We learned to let false gods prove themselves. We learned some Bible characters we don't want to be. We learned that God is a God of salvation and sustenance. We learned that we are a child of the Most High God, and the Most High God's for who? For me. For me. We answered the question of why seek a sign when God's already spoken. If he's already spoken, why are you seeking a sign? If he already said it's going to be done, if he already said it's done, what are you looking around for? Because we doubt. We learned last week that God doesn't need what we think he needs for us to win victory. In fact, he, he can use so much less. Where last week we learned he took 32,000, pared them down to 10,000, then pared them down to 300, and defeated an enemy of 125,000 with 300. But that's not the way we think about God. We think it's got to be big. God can do a lot with a little. And that might be you today. But now we're in, in the story in this Judges chapter 6, 7, and 8. We're in Judges chapter 7. And we're in the part where we're at the night before another day. So tomorrow is the day of battle. So just think about this, and this isn't meaning to be negative, but it can become that if you're not careful. But just in your mind, think tomorrow's going to be a bad day. Tomorrow's going to be a hard day. Tomorrow's going to be a difficult day. How are you feeling about that today? If you know tomorrow you're going to war, if you know tomorrow you're stepping into battle, that's the night before another day. And I've entitled this sermon, When You Just Know. When You Just Know. We've been prepared by preaching, by the voice of Jesus Christ. We've been prepared by the covering of the Holy Spirit over the last few months. Actually, March 12th is that day when we'll step into battle because I got one more sermon to go in the night before another day. But what if after months of preparing for a day you knew was coming, you knew just before that day arrived that you would win? Like, you know, tomorrow might not be the best day in your life, but you know tomorrow, whatever comes, you're going to win. How different would today be if you knew tomorrow, if you were going into battle, that you were going to go into battle and you were going to win? Yeah. 
How different would your attitude be about life and about Jesus Christ, about your family, about your friends, about your church? If you knew tomorrow, we're going to go into battle, but we're going to win. God has taught you all he can so that we'll be victorious over an enemy that was starving our families and fighting our faith and battling our church. How differently would you approach tomorrow if you just knew it was going to work out for your good? How differently would you approach your marriage if you knew you would never divorce? If you just know, like if you, you, you're in a, a, a relationship and you just knew, now some of you are saying, it'll never happen to me. And there's lots of people that have said that. But what if you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, whatever you and your wife go through, whatever difficulties you, you go through, whatever you and your husband go through, you know it's not going to end badly. How differently would you approach Christianity if you knew that what, what the Bible says is true and you can trust every word of it and not worry about what's going to happen tomorrow because you're trusting in the word of God. Amen. After all this prep work from God, after these three months we've been spending in the word of God, God says this to you. In Judges chapter 7 and verse 9. That same night the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have given it into your hand. You know what that means? That's predetermined victory. What God is saying is, I'm going to give you victory, and I've already predetermined it. Could you imagine going into the day tomorrow, whatever's coming your way, no matter whatever you're hearing, no matter whatever you're experiencing, tomorrow is a predetermined victory. God predetermined we would win. Read the book at the end. We win. It works out. If I end my life today, if my life ends today, it's going to work out for me because I'm going to be with Jesus. I'm going to wake up, see Jesus, say goodbye, suckers. <laughs> It'll work out for me. I hope it works out for you because of Jesus Christ, not because of my good works. See, God prepared Gideon by helping him build a foundation of faith that allowed him to fight without fear. What does your foundation of faith look like? Because you can't have a victory tomorrow or the confidence of a victory tomorrow if your foundation is weak. I've learned something about COVID. It greatly impacted the church and the people of faith. People no, want, no longer want to build things. They want them built for them. We don't want to build our faith. We want somebody to build it for us. Because we, we just want it easy. The COVID shook the world. COVID shook Christianity. And what we found out is just how strong our foundations are. Which is why I started preaching that series in November. Because of what I recognized in modern day Christianity. Is your foundation was shook. Your faith is shook. And you're trying to fix it in your own way. Not in the way that God determines we can. The Sermon on the Mount. Which I just made a changed her kind of quickly, was a series of teachings that Jesus gave the disciples to prepare them for a future fight that they needed faith for. Like the story of Gideon, the disciples spent three years preparing for a day that they were going to need to have faith to survive. They needed preparation that they would have a guaranteed victory. Victory. 
And at the end of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus gives this final illustration that I think is very similar to Gideon's moment. So I'm going to jump us into the New Testament so we can apply it into our daily lives. Matthew 7, 34. Jesus, after teaching all these lessons on the Sermon on the Mount, after preparing the disciples and what they need to, to live in victory, to live in predetermined victory, Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. It had been, its foundation was built on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does them not or does, or does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. That's what we've been doing over the last few months is building. But that's the difficult, the difficulty of this day is people aren't faithful enough to the building. They really like to just live in tents. It's, it's like we're a bunch of houseless people who just want to live the way that we want to live. We don't want to live according to the word of God consistently. Do you realize your life is about building? The older you get, the more life you're building on life. I know more about life now at almost 60. I have to say almost 60 because I want to say I'm 60, but my wife says she always corrects me every time because I'm not yet. I'm still a young man, but once I hit 60, it's done. That's what all the old people tell me. But my life has been about building. There's things that I, I, I know. There's a foundation that I have that doesn't shake me the way that it might have when I was 20 years old. You know your marriage is about building? Every day you stay married is the day you're building something in your marriage. You're building relationship. You're building love. You're building life together. Christian, the Christian life is about building. Some of you have learned more about God in the last year than you have in your whole life. And you've built your faith on that. It, life is about building. But this generation post-COVID doesn't want to build. They want it built for them. Or, and I'll just throw this in here because it's free. They want to tear down what somebody else built. But they won't build on their own foundation. Jesus said that everyone that hears these words of mine and does them is like a wise man that built his house on the rock. The rock being the truth of the word of God, but we're gonna come back to that actually maybe next week or the week after. That's a sermon for another day. Now I'll also add this, just because you're doing something doesn't mean you're building something. Just because you're reading your Bible doesn't mean you're actually building a faith. Just because you're attending church doesn't mean you're building a faith. Just because you pray once in a while doesn't mean you're building a prayer life. Because you got to be faithful to build. Have you ever seen that house that gets half built and then it never gets finished? And please don't raise your hand and say, that's my house and your husband's <laughs> sitting next to you. You got to be disciplined to build. You can't just do what you want. You have to have endurance to build. Building is tough. Building's hard. I built a house. I know exactly how difficult it is. 
You got to know how to follow plans if you're going to build. Plans have bloop, 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 bloop. Blueprints of what to build. And, and the blueprints aren't yours to change at your whim, Dwayne. Plans have stages in how to build. It's step by step. You can't start with the roof without the walls. You can. It's just going to be really difficult to get the walls underneath the roof. It might be easier to get on the roof. Plans determine what the house should look like when you're done. If your house does not look like the plans that were designed, you didn't build it according to the design of the, of the, of the blueprints. As a Christian, we should look like Jesus in our faith. If you've built your life on the word of God, you should look like the word of God. You should be like Jesus. But some of us haven't built that kind of a life yet. In the story of Gideon, God spent time training Gideon to build a house according to God's plan. And he told him right before that plan was to be enacted, he said, you're going to win. I'm going to give you victory. In the book of Matthew, we're going to go back to that. Jesus says there's two types of builders. There's a wise builder and a foolish builder. Which one are you? You can hear the words of Jesus and do them, or you can hear the words of Jesus and not. You could hear the preaching that's been going on since November and, and do something with it, or you can not hear it and do nothing with it. You can be wise, you can be foolish. See, the determination of your life depends on the way you build. You can be wise or you can be foolish. But before I get to the tr base, basic truth, otherwise, otherwise we'd be done by now. I want you to understand something about when you build something in life. Both lives in this story, both structures in this story have had the same experiences. The wise were not exempt from the storms. So some of you who think that Christianity is going to exempt you from storms... Not going to happen. And the foolish were not always being punished by the storms. They just didn't build well, so their house fell down. And anything you build will have a storm come up against it. In fact, that's the reason why we build houses. To withstand the storms. The purpose of building is to provide shelter in the storms of life. Is that not true? The purpose of building a spiritual life is so we would provide a shelter in the time of storm. Isn't that why you're following Jesus? So he can be a shelter in the time of storm? Yep. Isaiah chapter 4 and verse 5 and 6 says, The Lord will create over the whole site of Mount Zion. Mount Zion is a picture of the approachable God or Jesus Christ. And over her assemblies a cloud by day and smoke and a shining of flaming fire by night and over all the and, and for over all the glory, there will be a canopy. There will be a booth for shade by day from the heat and a refuge and a shelter from the storm and the rain. God's a shelter in the time of storm. I haven't sung this hymn in so long, but I'm going to sing it today. You got to put up with my singing. Anybody remember a shelter in the time of storm? The Lord's our rock, in him we hide, a shelter in the time of storm. 
Why am I the only one singing that song? A shelter in the time of storm. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a weary land, a weary land. Oh, Jesus is the rock in a weary land, a shelter in the time of storm. Oh, rock divine. Whoops. That's the last verse. Sorry, I skipped two and three. That's all you're going to get today out of me. He's a shelter in a time of storm. We believe that, do we not? This is why you build a house, because storms come. But here's the truth about the storms that come. On the wise and on the foolish, on both people, rains will fall. If you've lived in this area more than a week, (laughs) you know the rains are going to fall. This is not Arizona. California is all tore up because they're finally getting rain for the first time in forever. And people are going nuts. But we know here it's going to rain. And you got to be prepared for the rain. Rain, if you're not careful, will rot your house. It'll weaken it. Rain's kind of like tests, and all of us will be tested to find out what kind of house you've built. See, it's going to rain if you're ready for it, and it's going to rain if you're not ready for it. If you're saved, it's going to rain. If you're lost, it's going to rain. If you're female, it's going to rain. If you're male, it's going to rain. If you're single, it's going to rain. If you're married, it's going to rain. If, you're, if you have kids, it's going to rain. If you don't have kids, it's going to rain. It's going to rain. If you're white, it's going to rain. If you're black, it's going to rain. It's going to rain on all of us. That made you uncomfortable. That was fun. <laughs> See, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 45, so that you may be the sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. We're all going to face tests in our life. Now, the cool thing is, testing is off, rain is often seasonal. Well, not here. <laughs> but it's kind of. We get three more days of sunshine in the summer than we do in the spring. But we're all going to be tested. Your foundation is going to be tested. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've gone through or what you think. You're going to be tested. You're going to face tests and trials. You're going to face difficulties. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've been through. You're going to feel the rain. On both people in this story, the floods come. Floods make you feel like you're over your head. You ever feel that way? Floods are overwhelming. They make you feel like you're drowning. You ever get to that place in life? Floods really, really uh, tear at your foundation because you're overwhelmed. It goes, goes from the problem which is down here at your feet and comes up to your head. Listen, when the water's at my feet, I don't worry so much. But when the water's going above my head, I'm a Roberts. I sink like a rock. I'm going to die. You ever feel that overwhelmed that you feel like you're going to die? It doesn't matter who you are or what you've been through, whether you're wise or foolish, floods are going to come. You're going to experience flood. Don't be thinking somebody's never experienced flood because you just obviously haven't heard their story because they'll tell you of a time that they've been overwhelmed. There isn't a person in this building that has not felt overwhelmed at some point in time in their life. Is that not true? We all feel overwhelmed. On both people, the winds blew. Wind is pressure. For us, it comes in the form of adversity or attack. Pressure makes things creak. 
You find weak spots. The other day, it scared myself to death. The, the wind blew and I heard a big crack in my house, and I thought a tree hit my house. It was just one of my roof rafters that I think popped. I'm not looking. I don't care. I'll wait till it falls down. <laughs> it bends things farther than they're designed to bend until they break. Have you had that feeling in your life where you've been bent just so far, like the problems are just so great and they're so difficult that it's bent you to a place where you feel like you're going to break. And to some degree, sometimes you do break. I'm not asking you to raise your hands if you've had a mental breakdown, but how many of you have actually, right? You've had that. You've experienced that. Pressure leaves debris in your life strewn out all over the place. And you got to go clean it up. Your neighbors see what's going on. You ever, you ever have your problems spill out into the neighborhood? Into the church? Into your life? Mean, come on now. If you're building a life, rain's going to fall. You will be tested. If you're building a life, flood will come and it will overwhelm you. And building a life, wind will blow and try to break you. Is that not true? Now, on both people, the rains came and the floods came and the winds came and it beat on both houses. I like that he uses the word beat because we can understand that. You can't live life without it trying to beat you down. I don't care who you are or how much you've got it together. I, I remember as a young pastor, I had a pastor come to me one day and he asked me how I was doing. I told him, man, people are getting saved, lives are getting changed. It's awesome. And he looked at me and said, wait, your day's coming. He said, there's going to be another day that it's not going to be so good. I was deeply offended at that because I thought it was all because of all my good works that God was blessing me. And then the rains came and y'all started coming to church and it changed everything. <laughs> I'm kind of teasing. Acts chapter 14, verse 21, the apostle Paul says, when they had preached the gospel in that city and had made more disciples, many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch and strengthening the souls of the disciples and encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter into the kingdom of God. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You mean Christianity is hard? Yes. They had to be strengthened in their soul. They were so wounded and so damaged and so battered by the rains and the winds and the storms and the, and the, and the floods that they had to be strengthened they had to be encouraged to continue because they wanted to quit. Have you ever just wanted to quit on Christianity? You ever just wanted to walk away and say, I'm done with this thing. This ain't working out. The winds still come. I, I asked Jesus to save me. I started going to church. I started praying. I started doing all these things. And I just, and the flood still comes. Am I the only one that experienced this? Somebody online help me out. Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. It ain't easy on anyone. It isn't easy on anyone. What if you built your life that way? But your house beats the beating. Like you've built a foundation, you've built a house so well, according to the word of God, that you're, you're, the storms could come, but they're not going to knock you down. What if you went to work tomorrow and got laid off? Some of you might say, well, that would be awesome. <laughs> Your spouse might not think so. 
What are you enjoying? Like you're, 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 you're thinking, you know, I'm, I've, I've got my taxes paid. I got some money coming back. For those of you that get money coming back after you pay taxes, I'm self-employed. There's never any money coming back ever. Uncle Sam takes everything he can. But what if you went to work tomorrow and got laid off? Like you're, you're fine today, but tomorrow you got laid off. What would happen in that storm? What if your spouse came to you tomorrow after you got home from work and said, I want to leave. I don't want to stay with you anymore. I'm not wishing that on anybody, so please don't think that I'm preaching you know, some weird negative prophetic statement. But could you imagine coming home tomorrow? Like, you think everything's fine. You think everything's good. And then your spouse says, you know, I just don't love you anymore. How would you handle that moment when you get beat with that? What if the doctor says, what you're feeling is cancer? How would you handle that day? If you knew that was coming tomorrow, how would you handle today? How would you handle the storm? How would you survive the storm if the rains come and the winds blow and the floods come and it beats on your house? How would you handle it? I think the difference is what the wise do and what the foolish do. See, wise men hear and do the word of God. Foolish men don't. That's what Jesus is teaching in this principle. I can guarantee you a successful marriage. So I'm going to talk to the teenagers for a moment, not to the rest of you who've... I'd have to back up. Talk to the teenagers for a moment. I can guarantee you a successful marriage if you follow God's plan to find a mate who is equally yoked spiritually and equally obedient spiritually. If you don't base your relationship, marriage relationships on emotion or feeling, which is unstable, because you might think they're nice to start with, but after living in them for a few years, you might not think they're as nice as you thought they were. How many of you went on that first date and thought, this person's awesome, and then you married them and went, oh, this person isn't so awesome. <laughs> I can guarantee you a failed marriage if you follow God's plan and use Tinder to find your mate. Not using the truth of the word of God. Or you try to make things fit that were never meant to fit together. Let me give you an illustration of this to the teenagers. I'm talking to teens right now. I dated a girl throughout high school, wonderful person, wonderful human being. I was not good for her. I was not good for her. But we kept trying to make it work. We kept trying to make it work. We kept trying to make it work, but it just wouldn't work out. So I thought I'd solve the problems that we had in our relationship and ask her to marry me. Because we know that marriage straightens out all the problems in relationships. (laughs) You're not supposed to say it with your husband sitting next to you. (laughs) I asked her to marry me. And two weeks later, I realized that was the wrong direction. And I backed out of that relationship. Two months later, I met this person. And I can tell you from the moment that I met her, it was as if, even though I was backslidden, it was as if God said, this is the one for you. She's perfect for you. And now, watch her worship on the platform. I, got, I, I'm, I married somebody who worships like that. 
which means I got to step up my worship game. I can't dance and I can't, I can't do those moves, but I can guarantee you successful in marriage. I can guarantee you success. If you follow the word of God, if you follow what the word of God says in Ephesians chapter five about husbands loving your wives as Christ loving the church and wives submitting to your husbands, I can guarantee you success. Guaranteed, predetermined victory. If you obey the word of God, if you don't, I can't guarantee anything but possible failure. How many of you would agree with that? I can guarantee you a happy home if you follow God's plan for organization of and the responsibility of the home. And I can guarantee you an unhappy home if you follow man's plan and fight over who's the boss and let the internet raise the kids. Can I just ask you this? If your kids are Googling more information than they're asking you about, the internet's raising your kids. I'm not saying Google's evil. But God designed you to be a parent to communicate to your kids things they need to know. And if your kids don't feel comfortable coming to you, the problem might be you, not them. Amen. <laughs> this parable teaches a kingdom principle that like Gideon, if you hear the word of God and obey the word of God, God promises that you've already won. It's that simple. If you just hear what Jesus says, and do what Jesus says, things are going to work out. But there's a temptation to not build your life on the word of God, but build it on sand. That's what this story teaches. And everything he taught in the sermon, some are going to still build on sand. No matter how much truth that they heard, no matter how much truth was, was relayed to them that they knew was right and the right way to do things, there was still somebody who wasn't, wasn't going to build it on the rock. They are going to build it on the sand. There's some of you who have been following us for the last several months, and no matter what I've taught or what I've preached from the Word of God, you're still going to go the easy route. Because following God is hard. Because you don't get to do what you want to do. You got to do what God says to do. Gideon spent a season listening to the man of God preach the word of God, hearing the word of God from Jesus himself and being influenced by the Holy Spirit. And he chose to build his life on the rock, the truth, Jesus Christ. See, that's what sand represents in this passage. It represents the easy way. See, you want the easy road to salvation. You want to pray a prayer without surrender. Hey, man, Pastor Andy. You want to pray a prayer and then walk away and go live their life the way you were living it before, meaning you probably weren't saved anyway because you didn't repent of anything that you've sinned. Because it's actually hard to be a Christian because you've got to stop doing what you were doing that made, made him have to die on the cross to pay for your sins. Not for your salvation, but because you're saved. We want the peaceful church experience. We want attendance without participation. We, we want to go to that church that's got it all together. Because you know there are churches out there that have it all together. Now that just means you haven't gone deep enough to find out what's really going on in the church. Because once you get in there, you find out just how messed up they are. 
and I, and I, and I relate to that because people think that churches should have it all together. But let me just tell you something. Read the story of the disciples. They were messed up people. Always arguing about who is the boss, who should be first, who should be best. Arguing, about, arguing with Jesus over what Jesus did. There's so many Peters in the church cutting off ears of people and thinking they're doing righteous things. And Jesus is picking up ears all over the place and sticking them back on heads. <laughs> they were a mess. Read the epistles. You find out Paul's constantly rebuking churches for things that they've done wrong because they're imperfect. Spoke with a, a great young couple recently and they asked me, what's, what's next for new life? I said, war. We're going to battle. Well, I don't want to go... <laughs> I don't want to go to war. Okay. We'll do it with 300. That was, that was, I mean, I'm okay with that. We all want the easy life. We want peace without problems. So we think that we, if we just do things the way we want, that's easiest for us, that we won't have any problems, but you can do things the easy way and still have problems. I read the other day that there's a guy that won the lottery in California who, who's now being sued because he stole the ticket, or he's being said that he stole the ticket. So the guy can't even win $2 billion and be at peace. I think that's funny. Because <laughs> isn't that what you all want? See, we want a, a life without storms, but storms are going to come. It doesn't matter who you are. But what happens is it depends on how you build your life that the storms depend on how the storms affect your life. So I know that if I'm going into a storm tomorrow, I know that if I'm going into war tomorrow, I know if I'm going into battle tomorrow, if I've built my life on the rock, if I've been a wise builder, I've followed what Jesus said, I've do, done what Jesus has told me to do, I know that the storms can come and they're not going to impact me. Oh, they're going to get me wet and they're going to come up against my foundation. Amen. And the wind's going to blow stuff all over my house. And it's going to beat on me. I'm going to experience a beating. But the reality is it doesn't matter. I'm still going to get a victory. Now, if you were to turn to Luke chapter 6, you'd find a, par a, a parallel teaching by Jesus on the same parable. And it begins by saying this. Luke chapter 6 and verse 46. Jesus said, why do you... Now, Jesus had just done teaching the Sermon on the Mount. And he, he says this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? I heard a preacher say something the other day, and I'm, I'm going to try to come up with a sermon for this because I thought it was such a good statement. But what Jesus was really saying is, don't call me that. Don't call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say. Don't call me your Savior and not surrender your life to me. Don't call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say. It's that simple. Some of you built your spiritual life on sand. Seeing the Lord only as Savior, not as Lord. Because it's easy to, cl to claim salvation by a Savior, but it's hard when He becomes Lord. Because comes, that comes with surrender. And so you treat the Word of God as if it's optional, not omniscient. All wise. So it goes on to St. Luke 6, 47. 
Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. Sounds similar. He is like a man building a house who dug deep. Who dug deep. Who dug deep. And laid the foundation on the rock. And the floods arose and the stream broke against that house and it could not shake it because it had been well built. He dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. He dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. Have you dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock? Are you still on sand? Because when the flood arose and the stream broke against the house, it could not shake it. If whatever happens tomorrow, would it shake you? Would it shake you to the core? Would it knock your house down? Would it tear your marriage apart? Would it tear your family apart? Or would you see a victory in that? Whatever battle's coming against your life, whatever's beating on your life, would you survive it or would you be buried by it? It goes on to say, but the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. And when the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the, and the ruin of that house was great. Luke said, you got to dig deep to find the rock. Some of you have a pretty shallow faith. You're basing your faith on maybe something, a foundation that somebody else built, but not yourself. I can't tell whether you're with me or not. See, at some point in time, you got to get the stuff out of the way that's keeping you from getting down deep. You got to get a shovel and you got to start digging. Quit using an excavator and cheating. <laughs> see, the idea of building your house on the rock is not about evidence of the obvious of what you see. You got to dig deep down in places you can't see. See, you got to get some wisdom, and wisdom comes from experiencing truth. Wisdom isn't knowledge, wisdom isn't knowledge. Knowledge is a part of it, but wisdom comes from experiencing truth, the knowledge that you've gained. You may think the wise man built his house on the rock because he was smarter than everyone else, but I think the Bible teaches over and over again that wise men gained wisdom because he probably built his first house on sand. How many of you built your first life on sand, and when it all fell apart, then you started building it on Jesus Christ? Because you knew that if I build it the way that I keep building it, it's just going to, the wind's going to come and the storm's going to come and the rain's going to come and the flood's going to come. And it's just going to keep knocking my house over and I can't keep rebuilding this house. My first house was a mobile home. I bought it because it was cheap and easy, but it was on blocks. And every time the rains came, it just seeped water into the house, some through it was sealed as good as it could be, but it's a mobile home. My siding went bad, mold in the house. The winds would blow and you'd feel that thing shake like crazy. It's like an earthquake happening anytime the wind blew 10 miles an hour. <laughs> and if there was ever a flood, I always, dream, I always dreamed that the wise thing to do would have been to put floats underneath my mobile home. So if the floods actually came, I would just float up above it. But it's a mobile home. It would split in two and it'd be, Deborah would be on one side, I'd be on the other side. It'd be, it'd be terrible. 
See, it didn't take long before my house started to rot and things started to break down. So my next house was stick built. I learned to not go cheap. Some of us, I'm not saying all of us, I'm saying some of us, you've built your house on sand, your spiritual house on sand. And you did it because it was quick and easy. My relationship with Jesus was initially built on sand. And then the doctor said my daughter had a liver disease and I began to dig a little deeper. You know, when you're thinking you possibly could lose a child, you start digging a little deeper. Then my job couldn't pay my salary and I couldn't feed my family and I began to dig a little deeper. Amen? Amen. Don't you pray more and more um, honestly when your children are about to starve? The doctor said my wife might not recover from the accident and I began to dig a little deeper. My friends all left me and I began to dig a little deeper. And I began to run into some different dirt. I began to run into some, some dirt with some rock in it. It wasn't solid yet, but it had a little bit of rock in it. It was a little better foundation. It was down a little bit deeper. My psychiatrist told me, yes, I've seen a psychiatrist. Welcome to New Life. <laughs> my psychiatrist told me change careers. I said, you're crazy, not me. But I began to dig a little deeper. I experienced betrayal and I began to dig a little deeper. But every time I started digging a little bit deeper, I got a little better foundation under me and a little better foundation under me, a little better foundation under me and a little better foundation under me. So everything that's come up against me now has to deal with the rock. The doctor said I almost died. I didn't need to dig any deeper because I knew where I was going if I died because of Jesus Christ. I didn't worry about that. I worried about my wife not realizing that I was dead for several, several days because, you know, in COVID, you couldn't go into the hospital. So I could have been dead for five or six days. She wouldn't have known until the insurance check comes in the mail. <laughs> she may have worried. I didn't care. I had my house built on the rock. It wasn't on sand anymore. All the signs point to the end of my life as I know it. Like the things that I'm experiencing in my life right now. If I was on sand, I would be depressed and discouraged and doubt-filled. I'd be angry and bitter and frustrated. I'd be scared and sad. But you know what I am? I'm hopeful. Because I've got a predetermined victory. Because of Jesus Christ. Because I built my house on the rock. So the rains can come. Rains can come. Rains can come Come on, rain. I built my house on the rock. The floods can come. Doesn't matter. I built my house on the rock. Come on, floods. Come tap against the, 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 the foundation. You're not going to get deeper than the rock. The winds are going to blow. Doesn't matter. My house is solid. It may creak once in a while. It may warn me I've got to be careful of some things. But the reality is I know that I can handle it because I'm on the rock. And you can beat on my life all you want. You can beat me down. You can beat me up. It doesn't matter. My life's on the rock. I'm going to let God take care of you if you try to take care of me. Because I built my life on the rock. 
Psalm 127 one says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Why would you work so hard at something that God says, just let me build it. Build your life on me and it'll be solid. And it doesn't matter what the storms come. Your house won't fall. How many of you could say I've built my spiritual life on the rock of Jesus Christ? Not just I prayed a prayer. But I am building my life on the rock of Jesus Christ. And I know that if the wind comes tomorrow, if the storm comes tomorrow, if the doctor says I've got cancer tomorrow, if, the, if, if another whatever financial problem comes up tomorrow, I know this. I've got a predetermined victory in Jesus Christ. Because my house is built on the rock. It's not built on sand. And I'm going to tell you something that I see. This comes from years of pastoral experience and paying attention to the signs of the times. But there's a storm coming. A time of testing, a time that will be overwhelming, a time of heavy pressure on the faith. And some of you will be fine because you've dug deep. But some of you are still a little bit shallow. See, these storms that are coming are going to reveal the truth of your faith. What's going to happen when you go to battle tomorrow? You can live with a predetermined victory because the word of God gives you that. Or you can rebuild. How many of you feel like rebuilding your life again? See, I'm going to see a victory. On the night before another day, because I built my house on the rock. Gideon was going to win, knew he was going to win because God had already taught him to build his house on the rock. Predetermined victory. How many of you need that today? Predetermined victory because you've built your house on something so solid, nothing can shake it. Let's stand. Father, I am grateful for every storm that hit my life. I'm grateful for every beating that caused me to dig a little bit deeper. For every trial that made me dig a little bit deeper. That I wasn't foolish and think that I understood and knew everything. That I listened to what you said, Jesus. And I learned from what you taught and I obeyed your word. Because I knew that if I obeyed your word, tomorrow I would win. But some in this room, maybe not even knowing they were doing it, have built their spiritual life on sand. And they've sought a house on the beach. And the storm's going to come. And the winds are going to blow and the rains are going to hit. And the floods are going to knock up against the house. Because something could come up tomorrow that they never saw coming. That could tear down their house. 
could tear down their family, can tear down their home, can tear down their heart, can tear down their hope. But maybe they just need to get the shovel out and start digging a little bit deeper. Get a little, use a little more wisdom in what they do. Listen to what Jesus says and do what he says. That's all, that's all you're asking us to do is just listen to what Jesus says and do what he says. And that might be something as simple as obeying Jesus' words to pray unto the Father for our daily bread. It may start with that. that maybe that's, that's the first shovel that we dig is just do better about praying every day, seeking your face. And then maybe we can dig a little bit deeper, Father, and we can praise your name a little bit more. We can be thankful and grateful for who you are and what you do. Maybe we could go a little deeper in our Bible study instead of just glancing over it or kind of glossing over the scriptures. We could actually stop and pray and ask you to reveal your truth to us. That maybe we'll stop listening to all the wolves online and just listen to your voice. We start studying the word of God to show ourselves approved. A workman needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But we would get the shovel in our hand and we would start digging a little bit deeper. Father, Sunday morning isn't designed to build everybody a deep foundation. But what if they went home and revisited the things we talked about today in your word by themselves and just dug a little deeper? So when the rains come and the floods come and the winds come and beat on their house, they've got something solid to hold on to. So their house won't fall down. Father, I just, the teens are on my mind so much right now. I couldn't imagine being a teenager father in this generation, in this moment in time. The amount of fear that must run through them. Turn that fear to faith. Don't let them rely on their parents' faith. Give, give them a shovel and teach them to start digging a little bit deeper because they're going to face some difficult times, especially if they're under the age of 18. Because when you get that 18 to 22, 24, 25, Father, they're going to need a deeper foundation that they're experiencing right now. Father, maybe as parents, we should set the example and be digging deeper into the word of God about marriage and start doing what it says instead of just saying this is what the Bible says. Maybe we've got young kids. Maybe we could start developing a deeper faith life at home, sitting at a table with a family, Father, that, with our family and just going over the word of God and maybe praying together. A little foundation so when their kids move out and move away, when trouble comes, they'll know they can pray because dad and mom taught us to pray at the table. Just dig a little deeper, Father. If we would just dig a little deeper, we'd have a better foundation so when the storms come, 
So that when the storms come tomorrow, I know, I know, I know it will not knock over my house. Because it's built on the rock. Father, if tomorrow for me is cancer, bring it on. My life is built on the rock of Jesus Christ. If there's struggles in my marriage, Father, bring it on because I know we can just follow the principles of the scripture and we'll be solid as a rock. Father, if my income goes away tomorrow, I know you're going to take care of me because Matthew chapter 6 promises that if I seek you first, the kingdom of God and your righteousness, all those things, food, clothing, and shelter will be added unto me. How do I know that? Because my house isn't built on sand, Father. My house is built on the rock. It's built on the truth of your word, not my words. The truth of your word, not other people's words. It's the truth of your word is what our house is built upon. So, Father, I can't dig for them. Otherwise, they won't appreciate the foundation. So maybe today's the time we need to surrender to going deeper. Not just deeper in our knowledge, but deeper in wisdom. Father, give them a truth today. Give each one in this room a biblical truth. Holy Spirit, guide them to where to go. And make, have them make that part of their life, that they would do what you say. So they can dig a deeper foundation. We love you, Jesus. With heads bowed and eyes closed, some of you need to go a little deeper. Why don't you come to this altar? Why don't you just come to this altar and say, Father, I'm not, my, my house is built on sand. I know my spiritual life isn't as deep as it should be. Come on, teens, don't be so prideful. My spiritual life isn't as deep as it should be. If a storm comes tomorrow, what's going to happen? If a storm comes tomorrow, how are you going to handle it? Are you going to have a predetermined victory? Are you going to win tomorrow, no matter what storm comes? Some of you have been in the storm. Your house has been knocked over. I am so sorry, but come on. We want to help you dig deeper. We want to encourage you to to dig it deeper next time. Just for a moment, imagine the worst thing that could happen tomorrow. How would you handle that? Would you thrive in that moment? Or would it tear down everything? A storm's coming. A storm's coming. Satan's going to try to knock you over.
See, James chapter 1 and verse 8 says, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Some of you are trying to build an easy life, an easy faith. And you're unstable. So when the storms come, it's just going to knock you over. Romans chapter 8 tells us something really cool. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure, Paul said, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor any height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. No storm can separate you from that love. Is your foundation that deep that you can say, it doesn't matter what comes tomorrow. It doesn't matter what comes tomorrow. God has given me a predetermined victory and I built my house on the rock. And it's not going to fall. I believe, Jesus. I believe in your word, Jesus. Come on, church. I believe in your word, Jesus. I believe in your word, Jesus. And I'm going to do it. I believe in your word, Jesus. And I'm going to do it. Because I'm going to dig deep. And I'm going to build a foundation so strong, nothing you throw at me, nothing that, that Satan can throw at me will knock me over. You can test me, you can try me, but I'm going to stay on that rock. Because I'm going to get a victory. How many of you are ready for a win tomorrow? Raise your hand. Ready for a win tomorrow going to win tomorrow. Just trust the word of God. Just trust the word of God. You will win. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord God, we love you. I just believe that you have not led us to this place for no reason. This is not just a series of sermons that we taught because we thought it would be fun to teach. I believe you're trying to tell us something about what's coming up. There needs to be a people whose lives are built on the word of God, on the truth, on the rock of Jesus Christ. Father, there's a world trying to deconstruct the church right now. And you said upon this rock, the truth, the gates of hell will not prevail against your church because that's what you're building it on. Upon this rock will I build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. bad enough the world's against the church we don't need Christians against it because we've built it on the rock we love you Jesus come on give him just a couple of moments just tell him you love him tell him you love him tell him you appreciate him trust him you're going to win tomorrow Trust him, you're going to win tomorrow. You're going to see a victory. And you're going to have to stop what you're doing and praise his name.
it's going to shock you when the storms come and the winds blow and the rains hit. And you're still standing because Jesus, you're standing on Jesus Christ. When you just know, could you imagine having that attitude? I just know that tomorrow's going to win. I just know that God's going to give me victory. I just know. I just know. I just know. I just know. How different would you face tomorrow? One last time. Father, I love you. I love you so much. You have taken me through hell in my life. But it just made me dig deeper. Made me dig so deep that now it doesn't matter what comes my way. Because I know my life is founded on the rock, Jesus Christ. I don't have to wonder if you're going to save me. I know you're going to save me because you've done it over and over and over again. I don't have to wonder if you're going to show up tomorrow when the storms come because I'm already built on the foundation. I'm built on the rock. Father, encourage some of Maybe their faith is on sand. Maybe today's the day they just dig a little deeper. We love you, Jesus. Come on, say it with me. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us so. Be with these people tomorrow because tomorrow's the day. And we're going to see a victory. In Jesus, we pray. And all God's people loudly said, Amen. Guys, have a great day. Thank you for coming today. Love you all.